What's going on, y'all? Welcome to another Friday night. It's live, interactive, sports talk, play color sports talk show. I am, of course, yeah, yeah. one half of the dynamic duo, representing the A tonight. Joined, as always, by my co-host. Representing them Eagles. You already know. So I'm Steve Boss. He's Cool McCain, and together we are the Play Callers. So, man, what a wild, wild week in sports we got this week, man. Just had the NBA draft last night. Some major trades that went down we got to talk about. NFL training camps are starting to kick up. Aaron Rodgers decided to not take his ball and go home, but instead bring it to camp. And we got some some uh, stuff to even talk about with the Olympics tonight. Did I'm I'm gonna have to go ahead and and have some comments on for some people, man. So stay tuned for that. So yes, sir. What do you want to kick it off, man? You want to kick it off with the NBA? We might as well kick it off with your boy, Aaron Rodgers. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, man, you know, Aaron Rodgers decided, as my co-host so eloquently put it, to uh, bring his ball to camp and not take it home. Um, so reports are uh, that his deal was restructured. Um, the last two years were taken off. So essentially um, he has two years, it's a two year deal now. Um, after this year, if he decides that he no longer wants to be in Green Bay, they will work with him to trade him uh, to a destination of his choosing or uh, somewhere that he at least wants to go. Maybe if it's not his number one choice. Um, also, uh, they are going or well, they have brought back uh, Randall Cobb. I think one of his gripes uh, were, according to some of the interviews that I heard from him, one of his gripes was that he felt like they let a lot of the leadership and a lot of the strong people in the locker room go. So that's happened as well. Right. So now we're at a situation where um, Aaron Rodgers has gotten a little bit of that control that I feel like he may have wanted and what he was kind of politicking about and what the problem that he had with the organization was some of the feedback, at least for personnel decisions. So I think kudos to Aaron Rodgers for saying, you know what? I am a little tick, but I'm a roll with it. I'm going to see how things happen and we're going to try to play out another year. I mean, you're the MVP of the league. I know the other team is, I know the Green Bay Packers didn't want to lose you. So I think letting them know what the issue was, sitting down with them and talking to them about it, sounds like it, you know, at least got things to a point where you guys can uh, interact for a year and let's see if you guys can run it back. So kudos for that. Yeah, man. I mean, here's the thing. I can't honestly bring myself to believe that all Aaron Rodgers wanted this whole time with Randall Cobb, right? But I think that bringing Randall Cobb back was really kind of what you were just saying. He was upset because he felt like he had no say-so. So it was kind of like a little test, like, hey, you know, I'll come to camp if you go and get me Randall Cobb, right? So they basically agreed to do that. Aaron Rodgers has now Colin kaepernick this situation. And what I mean by that is for those who don't know what Kaepernick did at the end of his tenure in San Francisco was he decided he wanted out 
and he agreed to restructure his deal so that he could have the option to opt out. Now, obviously, we all know what happened after that, which is not going to be the same situation that Aaron Rodgers is going to find himself in, but he basically got the organization to agree to change things up to allow him to get out. So he got what he wanted. I would be shocked if he stays after this year, but... You know what they say, man. Winning cures a lot. So we'll see what happens this year. That might change some things. Shout out to uh Big Mo joining us over in the uh the chat. If you uh Yes, sir. If you want, go ahead and hop on and join us live tonight over here in the chat, man. We love to uh, hear from y'all. Absolutely. Um he did say that they all seem to grow up and get it done. Uh mm-hmm. definitely can agree with that. I just find it interesting that you know, a caliber quarterback that Aaron Rodgers is had to go and go through all this to kind of get what he should honestly have already had, right? Like Aaron Rodgers should already have had a say-so in decision. Not saying that he's the voice and you do what he wants, but if Aaron Rodgers is like, look, bro, there's a receiver room, it's not ready to win. I need y'all to go out and get me somebody that I feel comfortable with that I can throw the ball to, right? That should have happened. Like, it shouldn't have took this for that to happen. So, you know, I don't know what was going on behind the scenes. I don't know what the uh, GM and the owner and everything were doing. But, bro, you have Aaron Rodgers. He's one of the best quarterbacks of all time. He's the straight, you know, reigning and defending MVP of the league. And it took this to get this dude in? Like, what are y'all doing in Green Bay? Reigning and defending. So what are y'all doing, man? So the, the fact of the matter is simply this. I don't see him being there after this year either. I think he comes back, does his year. You know, basically, all right, whatever. And then he rolls out and he goes where he wants to go, where he feels is the best chance for him to win. Everybody who's going to be looking for a quarterback next year knows that he's a guy that they can target. And we're going to see what happens. So speaking of best places for him to win, I think Mo has an idea. Jeopardy. <laughs> Might be Aaron Rodgers' best place he can win is Jeopardy. Well, I got to tell you, man, um, I don't know where y'all are at, but in my mind, to win, you have to be playing on the football team. And unless, you know, someone else has changed their name, Jeopardy's not a football team. But well, man, it could be. Could be soon. On the subject of name changes. So I remember us having a conversation uh, back when the whole name change thing began. Right. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing was, all oh, you know, the name is offensive. And I say, well, you know, I get that but we're opening up Pandora's box. And once you mm-hmm. open Pandora's box, it cannot be closed back. Right. So now the Cleveland Indians um, are now going to be the Cleveland Guardians. All I can say to that is I don't know who came up with the name. I don't know if you've seen the logo. I don't know who came up with the logo, but I... You would have did better calling your team Cleveland Jeopardies. Uh, yeah. So let's talk <laughs> about that for a second, man. Um, so of course, the first thing that everybody thought about when you came out with this was uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, which you didn't really do any favors to stop that with the way you made this logo. Uh, the logo <laughs> looks like it could be designed for some kind of space program. So I'm not really surprised that people started making the connection here. So uh, E says they could be called the Cleveland Booty Warriors. 
He's not wrong, actually. I mean, yeah, yeah. He's not really wrong. Yeah. So, you know, my thing is if you want to change your name, that's cool. The problem I have, and we talked about this, there are other teams out there, uh, one of which I have on their hat. I'm not really a Braves fan. If I watched baseball, the Braves are who I would cheer for just because I don't have another team to cheer for. But I'm a Florida State fan also. You know, they have an agreement with the Florida Seminole tribe. From my understanding of it, the there's another tribe of Seminoles in Oklahoma who don't feel the same way the Florida tribe does. So if people want to start saying, oh, you know, Braves are offensive, Seminoles are offensive, they can try to force those you know, two organizations to go and change their name. So like you said, we start opening up Pandora's box and we start trying to decide what's offensive. Now, I want to be very clear in this statement. I don't have a problem when a group comes out and says, we find this offensive. What I have a problem with is the same people who came up with these offensive terms now trying to turn around and say, oh, that's offensive, we should stop. That's not for you to decide. Well, man, you know, I could go on and on about this. I'm not going to. I'm just going to simply say the name that you chose sucks. I hope the Washington football team does way better in whatever they decide to choose after this year. And perhaps that's why they didn't just immediately pick a name and they took a two-year period to come up with a name versus uh, what the uh, now – I guess Guardians. I don't know if it starts now or later, but I'm just going to go ahead and start calling the Guardians because I laugh every time I say it in my mind. But the Guardians. So congratulations, Cleveland. Um, you really stunk this one up. Why, why, why you uh, start talking about something else? I'm actually going to see if I can pull this uh, logo up real quick and show it to people. Yeah, I think it's something you have to see. I don't think it's something that most people would actually take their time to go look for, and I wouldn't be able to blame you. Now, while we also had a couple of... Uh, NBA things happened that you may or may not have heard about. You know, um, there was a trade, actually a couple of trades. The first trade was uh, between the um, Memphis Grizzlies and the New Orleans Pelicans. Primaries in the trade, uh, Memphis sent uh, Fusevic, I think is their center, um, to New Orleans. New Orleans sent Bledsoe and Steven Adams along with the draft picks. There's some draft picks were switching there too, but those are the principles in it. Um, essentially, what they did was they made this trade, and um, this helps New Orleans. This helps uh, them with salary. Um, it also brings back the better player to them. Uh, but I do believe, from what I've read, that uh, there's going to be another piece. Bledsoe is going to be out, either bought, either going to be bought out or traded again. So, you know, it's going to open up a spot for Memphis as well. As part of the deal. Um, it's really one of those. I know why the first had to be sent back by New Orleans, just because of you know how it will work and what you're sending back as far as salary goes, right? But I think Memphis did actually come out pretty good. You got a first round pick, and you also got, you know, two veteran guys, one of which you're probably gonna end up getting rid of. But Steven Adams will be a good uh veteran presence on the team. Probably not a guy that they'll have star, but a good veteran presence. And then the better player goes to New Orleans to help them. Um, kind of like Mo just said, it's a good trade for both teams. No team comes out bad. You both just kind of reassemble. Um, now, 
I'm going to go ahead and let my co-host, I believe he's got the uh, horrible uh, logo up for you guys to see. And then after that, we'll talk about. I'm I'm actually going to pull up one different one because I actually just saw one that has all their logos on one screen. Oh, yeah. uh, you want to see this one up real quick because that's 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 really the uh the bread and butter here yeah but while that's happening we could talk about the other trade and i'm sure my co-host will want to chime in on this one but what i would consider a blockbuster definitely happened so this so is the as, guardians stuff right here yeah so as you can see um the first logo is just horrible the c is horrible the G with the baseball and the wings is beyond horrible. That is possibly the worst look ever. The Cleveland <laughs> is the only thing that actually looks halfway decent. So yeah, so that that's I just had to share that with you real quick. Yeah, that's a. Uh, I'm just gonna frown that one and not and not even pretend that that's not bad. It's just bad. Yeah. But um, also, the Lakers made a big trade. So the Lakers uh, sent Kyle Kuzma, mm-hmm. Montrez Harrell, who opted in, I guess, for the trade, as well mm-hmm. as the number 22 pick, and Ken Pope, all to the Wizards for Russell Westbrook. Now, I'm going to give my opinion first. Um, <sighs> this is a problem for everyone else so when we look at big threes right this is a really big three lebron's been part of a couple i'm gonna go out and say i think this is gonna be the best one he's been a part of and it's dangerous because you've got three alphas well because anthony davis alpha for the purpose of what we're saying here it's yeah a little questionable times but you got three alpha guys um you got one guy that's very durable not the best shooter he can make some, you know, questionable decisions with passing, but he can go get you 30, 10, and 10 any night of the week. And you're bringing him in, and you only had to give up one draft pick and get rid of three guys, two of who you didn't even really rock with anymore. And Ken Pope wasn't a major piece to lose. And all you had to actually give up was a 20-second pick with that. I think that's really good for um for the Lakers and you know, as a Nuggets fan, not too happy about it, right? Because it just made my role more difficult. But hey, at least we got a guy that can score in the draft. But I'll let my co-host <laughs> give his uh his thoughts as the resident Lakers uh aficionado on this trade. Yeah. So here here's the thing. So before I even address Westbrook himself, I'm going to talk about what we gave up to get him okay you had Montrez Harrell who we all know the only reason he opted in was to get traded and and make sure he could still get paid because that dude made it very clear after he basically rode the bench last year in the playoffs he was not coming back to play every vocal and I don't blame him because I I felt he should have been on that too so I don't blame him for feeling that way but that relationship was soured. You weren't you weren't saving that. So you got rid of a guy that really wasn't going to come back anyways. Kyle Kuzma is a guy who we've talked about on this show. And we've talked about it outside of the show. I think he has potential. 
Now, do I think he's ever going to be a superstar in this league? No. Is he a guy that might make a couple of all-stars? Possibility. If he can if he can land somewhere where he's getting consistent opportunity to go out there and do his thing, he might be able to get to that point. He was never going to get to that point in LA. He is not the kind of guy who can go and be the third or fourth option on a given night and still be able to hit shots consistently for you. He needs a steady flow in the offense in order to produce. The only thing that really hurts about losing Kuz is you do lose a little bit of the defense. Now, he's not a great defender, but he was a pretty decent defender, and he gave you a, a good young guy who can get out there and defend on the perimeter. Now, the one that actually hurts the most, but you had to give up something of value, was Pope, because at the end of the day, he's a guy that was giving you great perimeter defense, and he was actually your best three-point shooter on the team. So for a team that was already hurting for three-point shooting, that's a little bit of a tough one to give up. But you got to give up something to get a guy like Westbrook. You can't go out and not give up anything and get a guy like that. So... I like the trade. I'm interested to see, much like what Mo says here, I'm interested to see what they're going to do to bring in some shooters. The, the two biggest needs that they have right now, shooters and perimeter defenders. That's going to really be what LA has to bring in to make this work. But I'm going to tell you actually what the biggest part of this whole story is to me. I saw an article this morning that apparently Anthony Davis, LeBron, and Westbrook all had dinner together at LeBron's house, and AD, yeah, and AD actually said he's willing to play the five to make this work. And I got to tell you, if AD actually moves full-time to the five, that is going to be a real problem for everybody else in the Western Conference. Well, man, I got to tell you one thing on the AD to the five part specifically. I mean, if we be honest, <laughs> yeah, I have to agree with. First of all, I have to agree with Bo. He probably did a lot. He's not going to play there all the time. He's and that's why I say if. And that's why I say if. But I think he will play there some. But the thing is, you're going to put the same guy on Anthony Davis on your team, whether he's playing the four or the five. The move to the five doesn't make you say, oh, I was going to have, for instance, I'll use the Nuggets, Paul Millsap guard him. But now because he's moving to the five, I'm going to have Jokic guard him. That's not going to happen. Whoever was going to guard him is not going to guard is going to guard him whether he plays the four or the five. Where it'll benefit the Lakers is if they can get another really good four to come in and play. If you didn't have this trade happen, maybe if you throw Kuzma in at the three and LeBron at the four, maybe that would have been a lineup where you could get more out of Kuzma. But nevertheless, that's gone. That's done. That can't happen. So now you got to go get a quality guy to plug in at the four. You got to get a quality guy to plug in at the two, right? And then you got to fill up the bench. So it'll be interesting to see what other moves that the Lakers do make around that all that um, legit big three that they now have. Um, I think they will be a problem. Uh, it'll just be a matter of um, you know whatever what other moves everyone else makes. But this definitely raises their probability to win. Absolutely. Well, but the reason I think it's going to be a problem is this is going to allow LeBron to actually play more at the four. And if you actually go and look at the numbers, I know we don't talk numbers a lot on the show, and I'm not going to bore everybody by breaking out the stat sheet here, but if you go look at the numbers, the times that LeBron was able to play at the four and AD at the five, 
LA was practically unstoppable. So that really is their best lineup. They're obviously not going to be in an all game. You obviously still need to create some quality depth at the four. So that that way, when LeBron's out, you're not having to fall off at that, at that spot. But that's why you're writing Westbrook. He's going to play a lot of minutes where LeBron's not on the floor. He, he's going to be a guy that's going to get a lot of time with the second unit in addition to starting. They'll, they'll figure out how to uh, do that rotation. So that's why I think he's going to be dangerous. And uh, Mo asked what the deal with Drummond is. If I'm not mistaken, doesn't he have a player option? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, I think he's got a player option. So we really don't know yet what he's going to do. Same with uh, Schroeder. We'll have to see if Schroeder's going to go somewhere or his market might be cold and he might be a part of a signing trade. Yeah, I think if anything, he'll be a signing trade. I don't see him coming back and playing, you know what I'm saying, uh, minutes on, on the squad anymore. Oh, no, he's done. I mean, whether the, the question is, does somebody else, is somebody else going to be willing to pony up and pay what he wants? Or is his best bet going to be a signing trade? Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. Now, of course, there'll be other moves that uh you know were made throughout the uh throughout the playoffs. Uh, a lot of teams, you know, did get them well throughout the offseason, excuse me, a lot of teams did make themselves better um in the draft, at least theoretically, because the most important thing when you're talking to draft is these are kids that have not played a moment in the NBA yet. So it's right. all based on, you know, expectations or projections at this point. But we gotta touch on it a little bit. I think more so we're just going to highlight a few things, a few teams now. We can always slide back in later and really discuss things once, you know, we get into, um, you know, when they have their summer league and different things where we actually see the kids on the court, there are these young men on the court. But I think now it's just more, uh, what is it like on paper, right? So one of the yeah. teams, of course, that most people want to talk about, and I'd love to just uh, quickly discuss as well, is the Detroit Pistons. So Detroit Pistons, uh, they went out and had themselves on paper a really good draft. Um, of course, anyone who watched the draft that doesn't live under the rock knows that they uh, um, picked Kay Cunningham uh, from Oklahoma State, who most people uh, had projected as the number one pick, no matter who the team was, right, just because of the skill set, size, everything that he has. Um, they also came back at pick 42 and got Isaiah Livers from Michigan, He's a guy who's been coached by Jawan Howard, understands professional basketball concepts, understands, you know, what it's going to take to be at least, you know, a good bench player in the league based off his coach. Then you got Luke Garza, I think, believe the player of the year. Um, really great score, uh, big guy who can go out and stretch the floor. And then someone who my um, co-host should be familiar with, Balsa Kopravica. From Florida State, and I'm pretty sure that's not his real, the way his names should be written. But yeah, you you got you got enough. really close. You got really close, actually. But yeah, so those uh, so those were good pieces, I think, for a rebuilding franchise, right? Because you got a franchise that needs to go out. They need to grab pieces. They need to rebuild. Um, so, what are your thoughts on, you know, Detroit? So I, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and, and agree with Mo here. He says that these were sneaky, good picks. And, and like you said, and, and this is an important thing to acknowledge. We don't know what any of these kids are going to do, right? These are, are yeah. young kids. We don't know yet. It's too early to come out. You'll see these people talk, running around giving 
draft grades. How you gonna give a draft grade when he, the draft's not even 24 hours old? You know what I mean? Like, you don't know anything about what any of these dudes are gonna do, how well they're gonna fit together or anything else. All you can do is look at did you draft pieces that make sense? Did you draft guys that fit needs who the talent matches where you took them? Did you get something that actually matches to what is already on your team? Or did you actually go get guys who complement and add skills that aren't there yet? Because we, we've all seen it. We've seen these drafts. You're sitting there scratching your head going, why would you take that? You already have that on your team. So I think that what Detroit did was they did the smart thing. They took the obvious guy at number one, and then they put other quality people around him that all do different things from what they already have. They didn't create this redundancy in their lineups. So I give them credit for the, for the draft. I mean, we'll see how it pans out for them. But we always say whether somebody's making good decisions or bad decisions, as long as you can see their logic, that's the important thing. And I can see the logic of where the Pistons were going. Yep. Um, another team that had a really – I think uh, a really solid draft for them was a team that definitely needed it, and that was the Houston Rockets. Because as we know, the Houston Rockets are a team that are is bereft of talent. You know, there's no nice way to put it. You know, I know I have some some friends that are Houston Rockets fans. Some of you guys may be watching or watch the replay. If so, hey, my bad. I'm just keeping it real. They are bereft of talent. Um, but they did go out and get Jalen Green, the guard from the G League at night. He did skip uh, college to play in the G League, uh, where he was able to go against, you know, grown men for a year. So that, that definitely should help him um, be ready to play, you know, at least some minutes in the NBA this coming season that being is already played in the G league. Uh, then they got another first round pick at 16 uh, <laughs> center from Turkey. I'm going to give this a try. His name is Alperin Sengun is what I'm going to say. Uh, hopefully that's close, but he's a center from Turkey. He's actually a very aggressive player. Um, he has a lot of upside and, you know, he plays on the Turkish uh, national team and he plays ball um, in the Turkish league. So he's, you know, a quality guy that has some professional experience. Then they got a forward from Spain, Usman Garuba. He's played in Spain. So, you know, another guy, he's been on the world stage. He's had some professional experience. Um, and Josh Christopher, a guard from Arizona State, was their last pick at 24. So they actually had four picks all in the first round. And I know Mo's laughing at me, but hey, man, I had to do my best. <laughs> but yeah, man, another team I think that you addressed the need to try to get a star at the top of the draft. You came back, you got a guy that can play the center position so you can move Christian Wood to the, the power forward position where he can play better at if this guy could develop, of course, and he went out and got some more upside guys uh, that should be able to come in. It may take him a while to learn, but you're in the rebuilding stage. You're not expected to go out and compete for the playoffs or championship this year. So why not take a few chances? So, so Mo says that apparently overseas is where the uh, best players are. Well, I'll tell you, Mo. Uh, I was actually going to go into that a little bit. So we'll go ahead and use it as a segue. We'll come back to a couple more teams I wanted to talk about with the draft if we have time. If not, there's always next week. But um, so I've seen this thing where a lot of people on Facebook, on shows, and this is not everybody, of course, but a lot of people, we're starting to hear this whole thing about, oh, the world is caught up to the USA in basketball. And, oh, no, you know, we're not going to be able to go in and win anymore. We're going to need help. 
I don't understand how we're good, how people think we could just go in and expect to get gold medals every year because everybody else is caught up. Shut up. Shut your mouths, all of you. What are you talking about? There is not a team in the world that can put together an NBA roster one through 12. Period. Go look. Go look at all the teams around the world. They cannot put together an NBA roster of starters from NBA teams one through 12, one through 15. You know why we're losing? We're losing because those guys were out partying at the club before one, one loss. We lost because they don't want to play Brett Popovich's system. We lost because the six or seven best players in the NBA from America are not there. That's why we lost games. That's why we're having closed games. Oh, we also lost because we have a roster. We don't have any real bigs. JaVale McGee? What, you got Kevin Durant playing the playing four? He's about the size of a twig. You know, you're going to come up against teams like France, Rudy Gobert, and another 7-1 guy. Oh, but we have JaVale McGee. And there's no knock on JaVale McGee. He could be a reasonable piece on this team. But come on, guys. Look at the makeup of the team and look at the makeup of teams around the world. They have guys that play center. They have guys that play power forward. They don't have seven guards on the wing and four point guards and two or three guys that can play uh, four or five. That's why we're not winning games like we used to. Go look at the other teams. They had bigs. They had three or four guys who played the center position or could play the four. What do we have now? A whole bunch of wing players. So if you think you can go in a world stage and beat people with not your top players, and then you don't even put together a real team, that's why we're losing. It has nothing to do with the rest of the world. Come on. So uh, Mo says, preach. It's not even close to our best squad. No bigs. It's silly. So here's the thing, man. I 100% agree with your rant that the USA has, from a talent standpoint, not lost any kind of edge whatsoever. The USA still has a supreme edge in talent. What they don't have is any kind of idea of how to put that talent together correctly. Because they're over there trying to like, oh, we're just going to take the best 12 people and put them on the team. You can't just put the best 12 people on the team. We've talked about that on this show. It gets talked about ad nauseum. People know this in their office, okay? When Brooklyn did what they did last year, what did everybody say? How is Harden and Kyrie going to play together? They basically are the same player. Everybody knows you can't just take two people that are freaking identical and stick them on the court together without making some changes. Yet the U.S. just decided, oh, we'll just, you know, we'll just kind of go out and just take whoever and we'll figure out a way to make it work. No, it doesn't work like that, man. You can't do that. My question is, where's Zion Williamson? Where's Julius Randle? There's other guys, but I'm going to point to those two, and I've been talking about those two. And the reason is... They're both guys who can play four, and in Olympic play, they can even play the five. Mm-hmm. Here's the simple fact of the matter, man. You have to be big. You go up in there against 
these teams around the world that have these big guys, these big, tall, strong guys, and you can't go in there with guards, with a four-guard lineup, right? It's not going to work. You have to put together a team that's capable of winning. Bring some bigs. We got to go back to cultivating people wanting to play for the team because there are bigs that could have came and played, right? But this is a team that was chosen. There was a pool of people. There were people who said, no, thank you. But there were other guys who could have been brought in from the United States that could have helped this team. And I don't knock anybody that's there because they are all really good players, but there's too many redundancies there. There's too many. You do the same thing this person does. You brought in Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton, uh, for the sake of uh, play around the world, is a poor man's Kevin Durant. Right? You know, we have Draymond Green. Yeah, we do have Draymond Green as well. But you understand what I'm saying. He's really more of a oversized, an undersized uh, four. Um, you can't really put him in at a five in any situation. Um, he's he's a little bit more advanced in his career now. He's not as athletic as he used to be back five or six years ago. But here's the thing, man. You have to put together a team. You have to put together a team that actually has all the pieces. And we didn't do that. So if we go out and we don't perform, then it's because we didn't put the team together. Now, Mo also made a comment that a lot of people have been talking about. He says he doesn't think that Popovich is the right coach for this group because he always has bigs. <laughs> That's what makes it even more funny that you elected to bring in more guards and no bigs. The coach you have always has had bigs. So, you know, you didn't do enough to really make this team as good as it can be. Does it have the talent to beat any team in the world? It does, but not on every night like it used to because you can outman them, you can outmuscle them because we didn't bring enough size. So, you know, the women's team, for instance, the women's team, they have size. They have people to play every position. That's why they're going out and they're winning games. Yep. And also shout out to the women's 3v3 team. So this is the first year that they have the three versus three, kind of like the big uh, the big three for the Olympics. And the American team uh, slaughtered everyone. So that's, you know, that's really great um, for America. Uh, we also have for the first time a four by 100 mixed where you have men and women run uh, together. Obviously, you run at the same times with each other. Um, our team had actually gotten disqualified because one of the people started off in the wrong position. But they appealed it, and because the judges told them to start off there, it was overturns, and they actually had won the, the heat, so they'll be in the finals. So we have a chance to get another gold medal there. So shout out to them. And several of the teams, swim, swimming, we've been killing it. You know, um, from what I read earlier, we've been doing really well in the, the shooting events. <laughs> I guess the rest of the world is probably like, of course you can win those events. Yeah, But, you know, it's just been a really good Olympics. There are some events that we have no chance of winning, but there's a lot of events that we have a good opportunity to win. And shout out to the women's uh, national team for soccer as well. They won in um, what you would call overtime for those of you who don't really watch soccer. But in uh, penalty kicks, they won their match. It was a tie after regulation and with the penalty kicks, and they won. So they're going to be uh, moving on as well. So, you know, a lot of great stories in the Olympics so far, man. Um, a lot of tough stories. And I know that my co-host has a particular or specific story that he would like to talk about. So I'm going to give him the floor so that he can speak on it. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to have to go ahead and have my own rant right now. So 
you know, man, there's been a lot of talk about Simone Biles and especially people being critical about her, people calling her a quitter and saying that she gave up on the country and, and all this other stuff. So first of all, I'm going to address what actually happened and then I'm going to get into my thoughts on, on what these people are saying. So from my understanding, while she was actually doing one of her vaults in midair, she got what they called the twisties, meaning that she completely lost focus of where she is. Now think about the fact that you are in a sport that is highly dependent upon perfection. Okay, so while it might look to us like they just up there just flipping around, they need to be aware of every single inch of their body and what their body is doing at, at different times in the movement. They need to understand their legs are curled or straight or all this other stuff. So these are moves that they have to just know. So for her to lose her focus and awareness of where she is in the middle of a move, she could end up landing and breaking her freaking neck. This is not something that is just like, oh, well, you know, you might just have a bad ball. The fact that she actually landed on her feet is a testament to her freaking skill level. It just shows you how good she is. This is the greatest gymnast of all time. No one is even arguing that point. She does things that literally are so freaking hard that she has like four moves named off after her because no one else can even do them. No one has ever been able to do them. The things that she can do in gymnastics are that amazing. And yet we've got a bunch of out of shape people who weren't even good at athletics in high school, who have the audacity to sit there and talk about what it takes to be an Olympic champion. You aren't winning anything but a hot dog eating contest, dude, shut up. Why are you even over there talking about what it's like to compete at that level? You have no idea. You're over there talking about, oh, she gave up on her country. What have you done for your country? What have you represented? You think you were representing the country well by being an idiot and opening your mouth and showing everybody how stupid people in our country are? Shut up. Stop talking about stuff you don't know. That's my rant, man. Well, I'll simply add to that. <clears throat> this was a uh, young lady who was one of the people, of course, that was sexually molested for years mm -hmm. in this program and kind of threatened and forced to keep quiet until everything broke out. So you don't think that affects you? Right. Right. You know, this is not someone who is in their first Olympics. This is not someone who hasn't proven that when they're on it, you know, they can get it done. Think about this as well. All these Athletes are there at the Olympics with no family support. The only people that are able to even bring someone with them is if you have a small child that you're nursing and you're one. And the last I read, they were still fighting. And this was before the Olympics. I haven't had a chance to look at it again to get an update to have a caretaker come to take care of the child while they're doing their Olympic responsibilities. So you're at a point where you don't have your family. You're like mm -hmm. in a bubble in Tokyo. So you're in a bubble across the world without the people that care about you the most, you know, there to support you. And people get mad because you're saying 
I don't have it. I need to sit, sit down and allow someone else to do it. And the funny thing is, we still got a silver medal, medal in that event. We still got the gold, thanks to her teammate, in the all around. Mm-hmm. And I want to also bring just one simple other point, and then we're going to leave the whole Simone Biles thing alone. Oh, I got some more suggestions. Well, I, I'll leave the whole Biles thing alone after this. Simone Biles does not even get the ability to be treated equal. When she does a move, when she does a routine, she's graded on a different scale from everybody else. Explain to me how that's fair. That's like going out and saying, oh, Steph can't shoot threes from the three-point line. He has to shoot them from the line in between the three and the logo. He can't have anything. Anything inside of that is not going to be a two for him because of how great of a shooter he is. That's what she deals with when she goes out and performs. So that's something else to just, just, just to think about. Think about so so a couple things I'm gonna add on to, to what you were just saying. So not only is her and every other athlete there without a support system, but and and I don't know if this part is true or not, but uh Joe Rogan was saying earlier how apparently she takes ADH medicine and or ADHD, excuse me, and apparently they have something in Japan where they they don't allow it. So she's not been able to take her medicine, which obviously helps her to focus. So if that's if that's the case, then that's something that people need to be conscious about. Because that's something that could actually really affect your your ability to focus on a situation like that. So that's to me that's a big thing as well. But here's the other thing. You've also brought up the fact that she was one of the victims of this whole, you know, sexual thing. What have we been hearing about nonstop for like weeks now? That case, everything that happened, the media has been talking about it nonstop. If you've never been through a traumatic situation, you might not be able to understand this. I mean, you could probably understand it, but you may not be thinking about it, but Every time that people bring it up, it forces you to relive the trauma. So now here you are, you're halfway across the world. You're on the biggest stage where pressure is its absolute highest to begin with. You're now being looked at as the greatest of all time. That's going to put pressure on you. You're looking at the fact that your whole team is relying on you. You know, they're relying on you, right? You're the leader. So that's, added pressure and now under normal circumstances she might be able to handle all that pressure but then you add on to it the sexual assaults the fact that that keeps getting rehashed over and over she has to keep hearing about that add to that the fact if she was in fact not allowed to take medication it helps her to focus it's no wonder that the pressure got to her and quite frankly whether we're talking about gymnastics football basketball whatever man we need to really start normalizing the fact that it's okay for people not to be okay sometimes. We, we really do have to stop treating athletes like they're supposed to just be bulletproof. We got to stop, man. Well, definitely, you know, definitely agree with that. Um, on a more, you know, just overall note, man, uh, <clears throat> we talk about a lot of things that we want. We talk about this, the, the, you know, we had the speak out movement, you know, 
earlier with everything happening with people coming out and talking about different things, which is kind of how this uh, broke in the first place. So if we're going to tell people to come up and, you know, talk about what happened, bring it out, put it in the public eye, then if that becomes overwhelming because they have to relive those experiences again, we have to understand that we have to give them grace and say, you know what? They may need some time, right? Yep. Now, there was a point where we didn't even know if they were going to have this Olympics because of everything happening in Tokyo. So, you know, it's just one of those situations. Um, Eric just said something that uh, is definitely very profound in my mind. You're paid to perform, not to be inhuman. These are people. Yep. Yep. They have things going on outside of the actual play. And that's what we have to remember in all sports, right? We'll get on people. You know, I've been a critic of several people, one of them being Ben Simmons and his poor shooting. But at the same time, if he has things outside of basketball that are affecting him, then I hope he can get those things rectified so that he can, you know, be a good player. I don't have any reason to sit here and want any of these athletes to not succeed, right? Because I want to see the greats play. I want to see, you know, guys that are touted that come into the league that get these big contracts that these teams believe in. I want to see them do well, man, because why would I not? Even if it's somebody that I may not like because of the team they're on or the college they went to, you know, different things like that. There's nothing for me to say like, oh, I don't want this guy to succeed because he went, you know, for me to Duke, right? Or because he plays for the Lakers or he plays for this team or that team. You want to see people succeed, right? You know, we're I'm watching a draft last night. As we all know, one of the guys that would have got drafted uh, passed away in a car accident. We talked about mm-hmm. it on the show. Yeah. Um, the league did a great thing. They honored his mom, his brother, and his sister. Um, they Basically, he got to kind of have the moment where his family got to come up and, you know, get the NBA hats. And, you know, his mom cried, and they're going to establish a foundation. The NBA is, you know, in his name. Um, <clears throat> so there's a lot of things about the draft that I really like, man. Uh, there's more teams I could talk about, but, you know, there's other weeks. It's, it's nothing's going to change between now and next week as far as the draft goes. But I just wanted to kind of highlight that moment, man, because I think it's a great moment in helping that family to heal. Because this is a this is a person that could have, you know, brought generational wealth into that family that's gone. Yeah, and not because he was out partying or drinking, because he was coming back from a workout, snapped out just like that. You know, we got to appreciate the people that we have while they're here, too, man, like friends, you know, family, these athletes. We have to appreciate them because we don't know what they go through behind closed doors. And, you know, I'm myself also trying to become a little bit more, you know, thoughtful of that. Like these are people. These are actual people who have problems just like we do. It's just magnified because there's money. So there's people coming after them, people trying to use them, all these other things that they have to look at and be aware of as well. Yeah, I mean, look, we've had the conversation before, man. We're both from that generation of, you know, you suck it up, you go out there, you make it happen, right? And, you know, to an extent, man, it's it's one of those things where we all have those memories of guys like a, a Willis Reed, you know, coming back into the game, right? I mean, we all have those memories of guys toughing it out, playing through injuries, and going out there and winning a championship for the team. And I don't want to give people the impression that we should not celebrate the guts and the fortitude that takes. But 
we also have to be very careful about that. And this is something I think everybody from our generation, myself included, has done at some point or another where we've criticized people who don't go out there and do the same thing, right? Who don't go out there and play as hard. Now, there is a fine line, right, between what we see in the NBA today with all the fopping, where guys are just out there over-exaggerating every hit, right? Like, it seems like everybody gets poked in the eye seven times a game now, and, and they all stay down for five minutes here trying to get poked in the eye, right? That's ridiculous. I'm not going to support that. I'm not going to excuse that. It's ridiculous. But when people have legitimate injuries and they say, yo, I can't go, when someone has a mental issue that they're dealing with that is going to potentially cause them harm, we need to learn to be a little bit more accepting of that. We need to normalize that a little bit. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy, and I'm not going to say that these are black and white situations that you can very easily draw the line to say, this is okay, that's not okay. It's going to say, take some time for us to figure it out, man. But I just hope that people will at least take that time to reflect before they start running off their mouth. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Mo made a great comment in the uh, post there. Another reason that we aren't winning, I'm assuming he's referring to the men's basketball team, is uh, in international play because of all the flopping that we do in the mm -hmm. NBA. There's another thing, too, I didn't say earlier. Um, I knew we would probably come back to the NBA, so I just was going to save it for now. You have to remember, a lot of these guys, they're free on their team. When they play in the NBA, they're more like, oh, it's a system, it's a structure. When they go out and they play on their specific team, like Luke on Slovenia, you know, guys on uh, <clears throat> the Spanish team, guys on all these teams, because a lot of these teams have at least a couple of NBA players on them. Uh, they go out and they're able to go out and play really well because they're free. They're with their countrymen. They're able to just play the way that they want to play the way that they played before they came to America, before they got on whatever teams they're on. And you see a, a, a big uptick in, in guys playing. Like you saw in the French team, you saw a whole different version of um, Evan Fournier. Never mm -hmm. saw a guy play like that in the NBA, you know, Guy, there's just one example. There's plenty of them, and not to knock him or say that he doesn't play well in the NBA, but just him being an attacker, him being like a lead dog, that's not something you've seen. Yeah. So it's great to give them that opportunity as well. And I like watching the other countries' games as well because I like to see those teams match up and see how great those guys do when they're just allowed to to be free and play the way that they want to play and not have to play within a system. Yeah, I, you know? I saw uh, I saw a video yesterday, man, on a uh, Drazen Petrovic, and he was talking about how. You know, he was out there pretty much balling out for Croatia, even when they were playing against the Dream Team. I mean, they ended up losing because they just couldn't overcome the talent. But, you know, he was out there balling, man. And then you look at him in the NBA, he really didn't do anything until he got to the Nets. And they actually let him actually play. Yeah. Detlef Shrimp was another guy back in the day who would be a killer when he played for his country. But handcuffed a lot it felt like i guess by the way he was brought up playing um basketball so it's not it's not a specific thing it's just that that's you know another thing to take you know into account speaking of the flopping in the nba so happy so so very happy i want to say again so happy that the nba has decided to change the rules now if you stick your leg out 
You know, if you if you draw unnecessary, if you do an unnecessary basketball move to draw contact, it won't be called as a foul. And if your unnecessary contact impedes the defensive player in any way, shape, or form, you'll be called for a foul. So we're going to have a couple of players that are going to have to adjust their games now and actually go back to the essence of basketball. Along the lines of what Mo said in the comments, some of these games do look more like what basketball was or should be. You're going to see a little bit more of that in the NBA next year because all these flopping fouls and all this, they're not going to be called or they're going to be called against the offensive player who's initiating the contact. So Devin Booker and Chris Paul, you might want to get that together. James Harden, you got some work to do. There's a lot more people I can call out, but those are three people that I think we all agree on definitely use that to their advantage. You know, so guys, it's going to be more about skill now. It's going to be more about what it should be. So Mo, I'm excited. Mo, Mo. Look, Mo nailed it though. Jumping into the defender. That's a, that's hard and bread and butter. And you know, that's a move I've, I've been hating on for years. I, I don't think that should be a foul. If the defender gets in the air, and then you literally jump into the dude. That's not a foul on the defender. That should be a foul on you. You're the one who initiated the contact. I know the defender jumped and all that stuff, but you initiated the contact. The foul should be on you. Look at me. We was watching, you know, we were up here watching the finals, and you got Chris Middleton trying to defend Devin Booker, jumping past him, trying to block the ball, like tugging his body together and trying to land on the other side of him so he can't kick his leg out or kick his arm out or flop back and act like he got hit. You know, mm-hmm. we saw several times in the playoffs where Chris Paul, and I'm not just going to say it's just these guys, but they played throughout the playoffs, so you got a lot of chances to see them. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, flopping. And it yeah. gets to the point where it's just like, bro, it's not even it's not even cool anymore. Like, it makes you not even like the player when you see him do that to an extent because you're like, bro, you're not even trying to win a game. At this point, you're just trying to get points. So I'm glad the changes are going to be made. Um. And I hope it's something that continues with some of these other things that happen as well. But just, man, just get back to playing basketball. That's all I want. Just get back to playing basketball. I don't need to see you flopping all over the floor. I don't need to see you trying to get contact, jumping into people. We don't need all that. We never needed all that. LeBron, you another one. You do a lot of that, too. Mm -hmm. Stop it. Like, for real. Y'all stop it, man. Let's play basketball now. Let's have fun. Let's make you look like you used to be. Let's go back to being the best players and athletes in the world and not trying to get half our points from flopping and flipping and faking so that we can get to the line. Let's play basketball. Boy, say it looks so ridiculous you can remember it vividly. Absolutely. I can remember the play um, with Chris Paul pretending like Boogie Cousins hit him in the face when he didn't even touch him and did all this and all that and got to do the foul and got free throws out of it. And then the dude said, that's why nobody don't mess with you now. Nice. Tell you something right there. I will say this. You know, one issue that we that we've always talked about when you talk about bigger and stronger guys, okay, and, and I'm talking about guys like Giannis, LeBron, you know, guys like that, that that are real strong. They don't get the benefit of fouls a lot of times. They get fouled like left and right, and they don't get no calls. So I don't have an issue with you maybe exaggerating things a little bit to make sure that the referee actually knows you're getting hit. Like instead of you just shrugging everything off. Well, come on, man. LeBron, I know you're trying to get some fouls, bro, but I need you to stop, like, getting thrown five feet in the air every time somebody uh blowing you, bro. It's, it's 
Yeah, you 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 can't get anybody to buy that. But no, I, mean, I just I'm just happy that like I said, we're just getting back to what we need. I know we uh talked appreciate about how we're going to e. yeah, Big E yeah, had to roll out, so appreciate you for that, definitely. Um, I know we say we're gonna talk about training camps, so I'll simply I'll go real simple with it. We could, you know, we got weeks to come. We're gonna be talking about divisions and doing all that as we get closer. But real simply, this man. Football is now really back. We don't have games yet, but we have training camps. We're getting reports from different teams. Obviously, I could go in with you right now and tell you a lot about what's going on in the Eagles camp. I can actually tell you some of the things that are going on with the local team, you know, where I live at, the Panthers, and some other teams. But I'll just simply say, man, we're starting to see draft picks get a chance to get on the field, play against the guys on the other team, offense and defense. Um, What I've seen on some certain teams – um, the Eagles being one is camaraderie, right? So I see Devontae Smith going up against Darius Slay. And I'm hearing reports and interviews where he's going to Darius Slay after practice. The other corner, Steven Nelson, great pickup, by the way, for the Eagles, and saying, hey, guys, what is it that I can do so that when you hit me with this, I can get out of it and continue my route? You know, what like little tricks can you give me? And they're helping him, right? They're giving him the trips. They're helping him develop. You know, yeah, that's great to see. You know, we we have all this hype about rookies. You know, Devontae Smith was the person that I wanted the whole time, so happy that we got him. But now we're going to see what he can do when he's actually out in the field. That's what's going to be important. That's what's going to be interesting. All these rookies that we have in the league, now that they're out there, the corners, right, the running backs, you know, the linemen, the safeties, everybody, now that they're out on the fields, the quarterbacks especially, we're going to see what they can do. Yeah. So that's going to be interesting. But I do want to remind people, you know, you know, I've just like my role now, man. I have to give people like the warnings about stuff, remind them about things. We haven't put pads on yet. Don't get too fired up. <clears throat> a lot of people over there talking about some, oh, you know, a lot of these offensive lines are looking bad. It's really hard to stop a really good defensive end who's rushing at you. When you don't have your protection on. Let's yeah. wait and see what happens when guys get pads on. That's when we're going to really start to see what these teams are going to look like. So it's going to be an exciting couple of weeks waiting to see what everybody's going to be doing. Um, I was actually about to ask you about what Mo just put in the chat. Wentz is out indefinitely. Uh, he's hurt his foot. I know you're not very happy about that because you have some something riding on him getting some playing time. As an Eagles fan, uh, Mo says that he does not think that you should have let him go or didn't think so, but maybe you dodged a bullet. Uh, Mo, I'm not sure what you were paying attention to, but you should have already known this was a bullet to be dodged, sir. Well, I'm going to simply say this. For you to sit here and type, I didn't think we should have let him go. What were you watching? This man basically said, I don't want to be in Philly. He threw a hissy fit because he had to fight for his job because he sucked. And nobody liked him. So if that's the guy that you want to be your quarterback, bro, I don't know what to tell you on any team. Me? No matter who the team is. I want my quarterback to be a guy that the people that the team is going to get behind and allow to lead them, that the leaders in the locker room are comfortable with, that people want to play for and with. 
Mm-hmm. That was no longer the uh, former Eagles quarterback, who I'm not even going to justify by saying his name anymore. That he's hurt, I'm sure you can't be surprised. Um, you know, we need 75% of snaps from him if they don't make the playoffs, 70% if they do. He was an MVP candidate, but he never won one. And he was great for a span of 12 to 13 games. Honestly, I've defended him um, since then for that. But at the end of the day, how many years is that going to matter? One great stretch of 11, 12 games. Is that going to, are we going to use that to defend him for the next 15 years? No. He's had his opportunity. He didn't get it done. Since that year, he has not been a good quarterback in the NFL. So you know what? I'm glad that for fans who feel the way that you do about him, that he's no longer there because now it can be done. He's done. Now we could talk about Jalen Hurts, the guy who's going to be our starter this year, hopefully our future at quarterback, and we no longer have to worry about a guy to see if he's going to even make it through the season. And that's all that you have to say about that. So with that, man, that is a great time to remind people to tune back in next Friday night. Absolutely. 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where we'll talk about things that aren't just the Eagles in regards to the NFL. <laughs> didn't, didn't even tell me uh, to get my home alert ready, man. <laughs> well, I did not bring it up. I responded to a post from someone. I didn't bring it up. Yeah, but when you got the chance, boy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just giving my opinion. Like, why are we still talking about what this dude did like four or five years ago? I I feel you, man. I mean, that's that's the thing when it comes to Wentz is, yes, he had a great season, but I said the exact same thing about Jimmy Garoppolo last year. Unless these guys can show that they can come back from these injuries and be what they were before they got hurt, you got to stop looking at what they did before they got hurt. You have to say, you know what? Ever since they got injured, they haven't been the same. And if it's only been one year, right? If a guy has one great season, but then he can't do anything else, then a great season is the anomaly, not the poor play. Right. That's what it is. But with that, man, we are going to go ahead and call it a night because we are at 63 minutes. Our time now. Next Friday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Y'all know what it is. Y'all know who to see. It's cool. It's box. It's a play call.